Macworld Podcast number 307 for June 20th, 2012. Welcome to another Macworld Podcast. I'm Chris Breen. Last week, Apple announced a boatload of new laptops. We've now had the opportunity to look at a large number of those new Macs, and now it's time to discuss our impressions. To do that, I've invited senior editor Roman Loyola and lab director Jim Galbraith to give us the lowdown on Apple's laptops, starting now. I'm joined by Macworld's Roman Loyola and Jim Galbraith to discuss Apple's new laptop lineup. Welcome, fellas. Hi. Oh, um, hi. Sorry, I got distracted there. I have Diablo 3 on my Retina MacBook Pro. Yeah, yeah rub it in. Rub it in. Thanks. <laughs> well, okay, since you're rubbing it in, I'm going to start with you, Roman. Let's start with that Retina Display MacBook Pro that you uh, reviewed. So... You know, I'm sure our listeners are familiar with its basic specs, so let's turn to what the thing is really good for. Apple naturally described this laptop as revolutionary. It's lighter, it's thinner, it has a great display, and so on. But looking beyond the hype and Apple PR, how revolutionary is this MacBook, and who's the best user for it? Um, you know, I have to say it. I love this laptop. I, I think it's... It might be the best laptop that Apple's ever done. And I, I keep trying to separate myself and say, all right, look at it more objectively. And I keep saying, I still love this laptop. I still <laughs> think it's really revolutionary. I know it's, I, 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 I want to say it's more evolutionary than revolutionary, but at the same time, I think it's, it makes a huge impression upon the Mac market and, on a consumer that's doing shopping, who's it for? It's it's not for everybody. I'll, I'll I'll admit to that. It's not for everyone. It's expensive, and not everyone needs a Retina display. So it's not for everyone. But if you are really into doing graphics work, if you like even just the little nuances of detail, if you're like a detail oriented person and you're the type of person that goes. Oh, look at the design of this, or wow, that could be better if they did that. Then you might appreciate the the Retina display a little bit more than somebody else would. Okay, because you know I get new Macs often, and when I'm anticipating that thing, I think this is going to change my life, and it's going to be a completely different experience. And then I get it, and I live with it for a couple of days, and I go, oh huh, okay, this is a little better than what I was using before, maybe a lot better, but it is. it doesn't really change my life much. So I had a chance to play with the Retina display a little bit, and I thought it was beautiful, but then I, it kind of changed my mind about buying it. I didn't think, well, what is this really going to add to my computing experience? And what it seemed like it was going to add is that I was going to have to buy a bunch of adapters, and it didn't have a media drive, and I occasionally use it, but not all that often. So is your attachment still emotional in in that you're using the thing and say wow look at that display or do you really feel like they've made some significant improvements that are going to change the way you work on a computer we've seen a lot of laptop upgrades jim and i roll through the labs here and you know we've always been stuck on kind of the uh speeds and reads kind of details and that's been happening for the past i don't know for a, for a while now so 
it's become sort of run of the mill. Then the MacBook Air came out, and that was a little different. But it was like so different that you kind of went, yeah, I could see how that's really not for me. It, mm-hmm. it was sort of out there. Where this, maybe because it's, there's a visual element to it because of the, dis, the, the display, uh, but also because when I use it, I feel like I feel like it's a more significant upgrade or a more significant change in the laptop scenery for Apple than a previous upgrade with the MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I do admit there is a lot of emotion involved involved in it. Okay, well let's talk about the Retina display for a minute. Um, we've talked a lot about the density of the thing, and but I'd like to talk about the reflectiveness of it because. I know that when I work on an, on an Apple laptop and I get that big reflective screen, I don't care for it much. I'm, a, I'm more of a matte display kind of guy because I'm old. Um, but I've heard that, that the reflection on this is far uh, less distracting than it, than it has been on, on previous ones. Have you found that to be the case? Yeah, I think it's pretty much. I think it, it's, you know, Apple says 75% less. I don't know how they've measured that. I'm sure they have some room somewhere where with a light gauge and, it measures the reflective light that's reflecting off the screen. And I don't know if that's true or not. It, it does seem to be a significant amount of reflection difference. I don't have, I'm not as conscious about it anymore as I, as I am with, when I switch back to say my 17 inch laptop, mm-hmm. I sw- I'll switch back to it and I'll, I'll notice the glare. It's, it's noticeable and I'll have to work more to kind of ignore it. But I don't have to do that so much with the Retina Display laptop. Mm-hmm. You know, when they were sitting next to each other, you could really, really tell a difference, especially from viewing angle and also glare. They're, they look completely different. Um, uh, sometimes you may not want to have that wide of a viewing angle on a laptop, depending on what you're doing and whether you want everybody staring at your work or play or whatever it is you might be doing. But uh, it's it's a dramatic improvement but with this oh really so the so the viewing angle really is has increased significantly yeah they've implemented an i they've implemented ips technology in plane switching Mm -hmm. so part of that specification is a wider viewing angle you're supposed to have 178 degrees of angle viewing angle and it is a wider viewing angle um so yeah, you can see, and Jim's point is, I didn't, it didn't, didn't occur to me when I was in the Starbucks working a couple of days ago, thinking, oh yeah, now people can see what I'm doing better because <laughs> of the better clarity on the screen. So, so do you need to carry? Now. Do you have to carry a little curtain around with you now and put it on the sides to make sure that yeah. the privacy barrier? Um, Jim, you test all the hardware, and I know you've run the Retina MacBook through its paces. So how does it compare to the traditional MacBook Pros that Apple announced along with this one? Well, I think uh, from what we saw, it's the fastest Mac, isn't it, uh, that we've tested? The fastest stock Mac, for sure. Right. The overall, we use Speedmark, our uh, test suite, which is based on real-world applications and real-world tasks. And our overall score... The uh, the Retina MacBook Pros, both models, were the fastest by a long shot overall, almost a hundred points more than the the. Oh no, I'm sorry, more like seventy points. Uh, past the 
former fastest Mac, which I think was an iMac, a BTO mm-hmm. iMac from actually 2010, I think. Yeah, we got one super fast iMac back then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, so this got a speed mark score of 330, which is, you know, 17 tests uh, and a variety of different uh, applications. Uh, compare that to the uh, to the 15 inch non retina with the same processor. And that got a 239. So almost 100 points, 90 points faster. Um, most of that due to SSD. Uh, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, yes, very fast. Uh, the and the, uh, the the lower end retina got a three nineteen. So that wasn't not a big difference between that two point six and the two point three. We have all our test scores on with the review on our website, and if you look at the individual test scores, you actually see that uh, the retina and the regular MacBook Pro that they actually have the same processor. A lot of the more CPU intensive tasks are about the same. They're within percentage points of each other, if not equal. But the disk oriented tasks, the retina just takes off. It, it's mm-hmm. That's where that point difference comes from. It, it's that flash storage that Apple uses in the uh, retina that really makes it fly. And that comes into play with our file duplication tests, of course, but also our Photoshop tests, our importing files into iTunes and exporting files. Uh, if it hits the disk, it's going to be helped, it seems, with this SSD. Okay. So I know these numbers look really good on a chart, but are they different enough that you can really feel it? Like if I were to use the, say, high-end traditional MacBook 15-inch and then the Retina, would I feel the difference between the two? Well, that file duplication test, instead of taking 13 seconds on the Retina, would take close to a minute on the uh, non-retina version. So I think you'd feel that as you got up to go get a cup of coffee or something. Yeah. (laughs) The uh, Retina MacBook Pro, I didn't put this in the review. Someone on Twitter asked me how long it takes to boot. It takes 16 seconds to boot. And the regular MacBook Pro takes, what, a couple minutes if you don't have a lot of things at startup. So mm-hmm. it's a, that's a significant difference. Now I don't I don't don't notice things like Windows opening faster, or applications anything. launching faster. App, applications launch a little faster, but but things that are uh, not necessarily hitting the disk all the time, like connecting to a Wi-Fi network, you know those kind of tasks they don't seem any faster. But uh, anything when it when it has to hit the disk that that makes a, a significant difference. Right, so if I'm running Photoshop and applying filters, I'm not going to see a significant difference. If it's CPU-based, then no. If it's happened to hit the disk because your file size is so large that it's gone past you know, RAM, then you'll definitely see the difference using an SSD versus an, an HDD. Yeah, for that 4-gigabyte image file that you're working on. So I'm a cheapskate. So let's suppose that I don't want to pay the um, the extra amount of money for the retina display, but I want to get a traditional one because I'm perfectly fine with the display. But like a lot of people, I put an SSD drive in there. So am I going to see that kind of performance if I throw an SSD into a traditional MacBook? You should. I mean, it should, it should perform almost identical if you were to get the 2.3 or 2.6 version of the non-retina display and get the SSD upgrade. Okay. 
Um, I want to underscore this point because a few people in our forums have derided the idea that a laptop can be a replacement for desktop computer. And they, they seem to be clinging to this idea that laptops are underpowered. So, Jim, is that the case? Uh, are people making a sacrifice by getting a laptop instead of getting a Mac Pro or an iMac? Well, we're just putting – we we did order uh, and receive the the updates to the Mac Pro, and uh, that is certainly an evolutionary upgrade, <laughs> <laughs> if ever there was one. Um, right now – let me look real quick. The uh, – the it appears to me that the the fastest of the new Mac Pro. So this is kind of preliminary, but the fastest Mac Pro that we've gotten right now, um, the 12 core, got a speed mark score of 259 versus that 330 we talked about yeah, earlier yeah. with the Retina play, display. So I don't see where you're sacrificing much as far as speed goes. Uh, Upgradability for sure. Expandability, yes. Of course, that, you know, a, a MacBook, you know, a Mac Pro does let you put in a USB 3 card, which you would need to use if you wanted to use USB 3. But of course, that comes with the Retina display. Mm-hmm. And there's no way to get Thunderbolt on a Mac Pro right now. And so the, you know, the, it's not that attractive, this Mac Pro, honestly. I mean, uh, it, Sounds like there's a new one coming. Tim Cook said that there's supposed to be coming something in 2013, I guess. Right. It's almost become like the Mac Pro is the machine of choice if you want to put four drives in a machine. And that, because that, you know, expansion cards, all right. But, you know, that you're getting really niche there. You're talking about high, high end production there. Right. So then, like, the real, you know, I need a heater in my room and I want, to put four drives in my case, not external, not as external drives. So that's almost become like the, the fate of the Mac Pro, it seems like. Yeah, I, I like the Mac Pro, and, and, and for exactly the reasons that you suggest. I like having all my drives within the Mac Pro, but I know I can run them off a, a wire if I want to. I also like the op- option to um, attach displays that I want and more than one of them. Thunderbolt, I know, is provides that option, but not a lot of third parties have Thunderbolt on their displays. Thunderbolt cables are expensive. And I have some perfectly lovely monitors that I like using now. So the Mac Pro is still something I'd like to see upgraded so that perhaps I could update to that someday. Yes, I, I you know, I think that if this Mac Pro came and had all the expandability as well as Thunderbolt built in and USB 3, it just it feels weird for your pro system, your real workhorse of a system to be brand new and yet starting behind the ball and not having, you know, all the proper, you know, import uh, inputs that, you know, you would expect that you can get out of a MacBook Air. Apple continues to do away with media drives on its computers. So the Mac Mini no longer has one and they're now missing from MacBooks. Is this a big deal? I personally don't think it's that big a deal. I, I wrote in my, my review that, you know, when I sat to write down my review, I was thinking about how many times have I used this optical drive? And it, as I, the only times I can remember are when, when my kids had parties or Christmas time and they got these DVD movies and I made backups of them because they always scratched the heck out of mm-hmm. them. And I can't remember any other time I've used the optical drive. And, 
you know, I know it's important for a lot of people to move files that way, but I, you know, I personally use the internet. I have, you know, I use Dropbox or something else, or, you know, I'll even use a, a thumb drive to move files. Thumb drives are have enough capacity for what I need now. Uh, so for me personally, I don't think it's that big a deal. Um, I do understand for a lot of people that they need it. Now, I, I know a lot of people like it too also because a lot of people have taken the regular Mac Pro, removed the optical drive, and used that space for a secondary drive, mm-hmm. most likely an SSD. So I don't want, I guess it's for hackability's sake. You know, I, I know that a lot of people wish that optical drive was still there. Right. That's something I'm actually doing this week. Uh, all the parts haven't arrived oh, yeah. yet, but I've got a, a mid-2010 15-inch MacBook Pro, and it's, it does have the the slot in there. And I tried to remember the last time I used it, and I can't. So I thought with SSD prices coming down, it made a lot of sense to put a 256-gigabyte drive in there. Use that uh, maybe in a dual boot. So when I get to Mountain Lion, I can have Mountain Lion on there and, and put uh, Lion on the other part or on the other drive and be able to switch back and forth between them very quickly. Yeah, and a lot of people are doing that. And when the Retina Display uh, MacBook Pro came out, I think a lot of people who are disappointed in that particular machine are disappointed because of that particular fact that you can't do things like replace that optical drive with your own second drive if you wanted to Mm -hmm. well what do you think about the capacity of these drives is if you get the least expensive one it's what it's 256 gigabyte ssd yeah do you think that's enough for most people for a pro machine i think that's really borderline i almost think that's not enough yeah so and in my review i wrote that you know i I thought i was unfortunate that didn't offer upgrade pass for that and you know, the way to get more, the way, what they we have to do now is if you have to go up to the 2799 machine for 600 bucks, I mean, you do get a faster processor and you get twice the capacity, the, the stock uh, flash memory on the 2799 model is 512 gigabytes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're talking, I mean, you keep creeping towards that $3,000 mark and it's, 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 that's kind of a lot of cash. Well, so, yeah, well, and kind of, and as um, because the the stock twenty two hundred dollar model comes with eight gigs of RAM, and the twenty eight comes with sixteen, and you can't upgrade the RAM apparently by yourself, so you really are looking at twenty eight, and then you're going to put AppleCare on top of it, right? Because the Retina display, if that breaks, apparently you have to take off the entire top part of the the macbook there is no sort of way to replace just the display you take the top part of the lid off so of course right. you want you want apple care with it so that adds another 350 bucks so you're well over three thousand dollars now for a truly pro machine yeah it reminds me of the prices back in the uh 90s <laughs> right <laughs> three thousand dollars for a laptop yeah well i mean even for desktop machines it was not unusual for us to drop thirty five hundred four thousand dollars on a you know, Mac, whatever their, whatever their tower was right. at the time. So what about the shift away from ports we've known and loved so that some of us now have to carry a handful of adapters? What have we lost with the retina display and what can be replaced with an adapter? Well, you've lost quite a few things. I mean, uh, it's been replaced with Thunderbolt, of course, but, and you have USB three, but there's no more Firewire 800 
and there's no gigabit Ethernet. So uh, adapters would be needed for both of those. Um, and, you know, as, a, as someone who has racks and racks of FireWire 800, you know, drives around with different versions of software and versions uh, of the operating system around, I, you know, that I use all the time, uh, I hate looking around for dongles and extra cables. Uh, you know, I just, the thing I need never seems to be right there and it's buried under something. And, uh, you know, the Wi-Fi here at the office isn't very fast. And so, you know, I'm always looking for, though I'm glad it's not like the air with the USB to gigabit ethernet adapter, but you know, still, um, I prefer to have as many ports as I can on the device itself. And are both those adapters available now? I don't think the uh, Thunderbolt to FireWire adapter is ready just yet. I know Apple just released this morning, or maybe it was yesterday afternoon, a uh, OS update uh, for the Thunderbolt to Gigabit adapter. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's out there, um, but I don't think the FireWire adapter is just is out just yet. So there's not even a price for it yet. Well, but it'll probably be twenty nine bucks, just like the other one. One of the reasons why Apple made these decisions to drop the Ethernet and FireWire ports is because those ports were just too wide for the for the profile of the machine. They'd have to thicken. They'd have to make the machine a little bit thicker to 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 accommodate the Ethernet port. You know, and they decided not to because they wanted to make the machine thinner. You know, you could argue either way. I I was kind of. In my review, I was kind of went. I didn't think that losing Ethernet was that big a deal, but at the same time, I, I didn't think about it then. And then I thought about it afterwards. Where if they had made the Retina MacBook Pro just a little bit thicker to to accommodate the Ethernet port, then they could have put more battery in it. They could have used that space for battery, but then that would have added weight and. Yeah, maybe these are things they are they considered, and then they decided that it wasn't worth it. I'm sure they were considered, <laughs> and you know, since everyone is probably going to buy a Thunderbolt display with one of these anyway, right? Sure, because they're cheap, so <laughs> why not throw another thousand bucks on top sure. of it? I've got money to spend. It's problem solved, right? So, speaking of battery, Apple claims this. Retina display will do seven hours. Is that uh, is that the case in your testing? Well, we don't run the same tests, and so we don't have the same results, really. Um, I'm trying to remember what we've got. We were probably five and a half hours, something like that. Yeah, yeah. It was like it was something. It was uh, five hours and yeah, about five and a half hours. Five hours and nineteen minutes for the two point three gigahertz. Retina MacBook Pro and five and a half hours for the 2.6. Um, but like Jim said, we do a different test. We run a video test that's a little more, maybe a lot more uh, demanding than Apple's wireless web, as they put it. Right. So are you torturing these machines or, or is this sort of like a typical use case? It is a use case. I'm not sure how if it's completely typical. We uh, what we do is we we have a movie ripped to the hard drive or SSD, and uh, we're watching it at full screen, at full max brightness, uh, attached to the uh, local Wi-Fi. We have the keyboard light turned off, 
make sure all the automatic uh, ambient light sensors are turned off and all that. And we just see how long it can play this movie, loop this movie until it dies. So this, which is different than, you know, they, they call it the wireless, you know, they're, they're going through and doing some, you know, work with pages, some work with uh, some surfing of the internet, some watching of movies, this kind of thing. So they're, they're, they're doing a variety of things in their tests, a little less challenging. And we're trying to come up with a baseline task that will drain the battery pretty quickly Mm -hmm. that we could run on all the different systems. So we're not saying that Apple doesn't live up to its, you know, promise of seven hours. We're just saying, Hey, it's 20% longer than this guy over here. Right. Doing that test. Uh, I uh, miss misstated the uh, test results. It's actually uh, five hours, 10 minutes for the 2.3 retina and two minutes short of five hours, so four hours and 58 minutes for the 2.6. So it was about five and a half for the non-retinas. Right. Okay. And so it's about, so it's about five. So you are losing a little bit of uh, battery life trying to power all those pixels. Right. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about the MacBook Airs. I haven't jumped on one of these things yet. Is there something about the new models that's going to convince me to do that? The fact that they're, you know, you're not giving up that much uh, <laughs> as far as ports and uh, and speed, really going from an air to a uh, from a retina to an air. I mean, they have very fast uh, SSDs in them. I would probably steer you clear of the 64 gig version because mm-hmm. that's just not very much uh, hard disk space or SSD space. Right. But um, they they're pulling respectable numbers. You know, they've got the new uh, integrated graphics that was getting you know. It looks like we got over a hundred, uh, 124 frames per second in portal two. Um, we've got, you know, like I said, very fast zipping and unzipping of files and startups. Uh, it's got a score of 201 speed mark score. So it's still, you know, a hundred less than 130 less than the retina, but pretty fast. And that was significantly faster than the previous model. Yeah, the uh the previous model we uh it was taking, you know, in the it was taking like 25 seconds, 26 seconds to do the duplicate test when it's like 15 seconds now. So, it's knocked off a considerable amount. Uh the previous uh 11-inch uh got a score of 152. Uh now we're getting 195, so, you know, 40 point difference. Mm. That's it's pretty good. Okay. Um going back to the um 15-inch Retina MacBook Pro. And kind of a surprise to me, a lot of people, at least on our forums, were griping about the fact that this had become the replacement for the 17-inch MacBook Pro. So do you guys have any opinions on whether the 15-inch Retina MacBook, with its higher resolution, can really replace the larger physical screen of a 17-inch MacBook Pro? Well, I use a uh, 17-inch MacBook Pro on a daily basis for my regular office machine. Um, and it, you, you can do the 1920 by 1920 by 1200, is that right, uh, resolution on the 15-inch uh, retina. Things on the screen look smaller. So, you know, if you have, if you have great vision, it's not going to be a problem. If uh, your vision's a little, you know a little on the weaker side or, you know, towards the end of the day, 
if you've been working a lot mm-hmm. on on your screen and your eyes get tired, it might be a little tiring to have to deal with these smaller elements on your screen. Uh, also, there's there's also sort of this kind of more of a nuance that you don't feel like you know the, the presence of this 17 inch display mm-hmm. and you know you're physically looking at a smaller display and there's a you know there's a particular i can't describe it but it's it's a physical thing that you're interfacing with and it feels different more than just seeing the smaller icons and other elements on the screen cuz you have you get the um the real estate that you need on the screen but you're work you know the the fact that you're on a smaller screen there's, you know, there's like a psychological barrier that it's hard to describe, you know, you, you know, cause you know, you're working on a smaller disc- screen and you, yet you, you can do everything you can do. And then there's also, so there's the screen aspect, but then there are also the features aspect that we've, you know, talked about before, mm-hmm. like the 17 inch has an express card slot and you don't get that anymore on any laptop. And that maybe that's not a big deal for a lot of people because who uses express card anymore? Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's some people out there who still use Express Card for, say, a uh, 3G modem. Right. Or somebody who's on the road, who's like a photographer on the road, and maybe they're using Compact Flash. And they're using a Compact Flash reader Mm -hmm. through their Express Card or something like that. You know, there's legacy hardware, essentially. eSATA. That's the way that you could get eSATA and USB 3 previously was through those kind of adapters. Right. So then, you know, there's that. That's one of the key features of the 17-inch that you won't get anymore. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a very good question of whether the 15-inch can really replace the 17-inch. And I suspect for a lot of people it will be fine. Mm-hmm. But then there will be maybe some people who have used the 17-inch for so long that making that change is going to be very difficult. They could get a 15-inch. They get a regular 15-inch that has – they do have a high-res – uh, version of that available for a hundred dollars, but it's not the Retina. But you can get a sixteen eighty by ten fifty uh, high resolution, glossy or non glare screen for a hundred dollars extra on the fifteen inch non Retina MacBook Pros. Okay. All right. Last question. It's time to put on your prognosticators hats. So Tim Cook, as you mentioned, uh, said that we'll see updates to the iMac and the Mac Pro in twenty thirteen. So do you want to take a guess what those models will offer? I think that the Mac Pro is going to evolve into the mini tower that a lot of people like Macworld's Dan Frakes have been wanting for a long time. Oh, that I will make him we'll happy. S- yes, but I think but I think he was hoping for that in addition to the Mac Pro and I think that's what the Mac Pro will evolve to is this half-height tower that people have wanted, that hardcore users have wanted for a while. And as the iMac, that's a little trickier because, I mean, you can see them getting rid of the optical drive, but they've, I mean, a Retina display iMac, that would must be, that would be like, what, a $4,000 machine? Yeah, and that doesn't seem to make sense within the idea that, I mean, as powerful as the iMac is now, it's still perceived by a lot of people as sort of a, a consumer's machine. So they could do what they've done with the, the Mac Pros, I mean, the MacBook Pros, and sort of make the consumer line and then make the ultra spiffy line with the Retina display that costs a fortune. 
I bet the new MacBook, the new Mac Pro will have Thunderbolt and USB. Well, I would certainly hope so. My, and you can mark my, yes, write that down. I, I will. I'll write that one down. Yeah, hopefully it'll have that because, I mean, the new Xeon platform came out, was it February maybe? So I was hoping that it would adopt that platform because that platform, I believe it has Thunderbolt. No, I might be wrong on that. but um, Yeah, so you would think it would have that, although that maybe they'll just go with the Ivy Bridge stuff that who knows. Well, and just for people who don't know, and that would include me, what's the, the basic difference between the Ivy Bridge stuff and the Xeon stuff? Well, the Xeon is more geared towards servers and high-end workstations, whereas the uh, Ivy Bridge is geared more towards consumers and laptops. Um, so you get the you get more of the multi-core processors on the Xeon, so you get the six-core processors mm-hmm. and such. Uh, whereas I believe Ivy Bridge, you get two uh, dual and quad-core processors. Okay. So overall, given all the announcements that Apple made and the new products they've released, uh, what are the highs and lows and, uh, and what are you most excited about? The high has to be the retina display, right? I mean, it's a new, it's a, it's a pretty big step as far as display technology goes for, you know, for, for Apple or for anybody else making portables. Yeah. And I know it sounds, sounds kind of, hyperbolic but it is the future of apple's laptop that's they've this is creating the path of where they're going that to me is what is exciting about it is that you know where apple's going to go with this this is essentially what apple plans to do with their laptops eventually so so to me that's the 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 high point the exciting point of of apple's announcements um and to me another other a little thing is that we get to pick from three laptops now. We used to only have to have two, the, the Air and the Pro. There used to be three when the MacBook was there. And so more choices is always better. But uh, then the MacBook went away, and then we only had to choose from the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro. But now with the introduction of, introduction of the Retina, you have three models to choose from again. So that to me is a, another kind of nice little bonus for customers right okay and i think we can all agree that the low is the mac pro yes <laughs> you know i honestly have to wonder who's out there buying them now you know they they saw that little new tag when they went to the apple store and said oh look there's a new mac well pro. i know that that yeah last week uh, maybe two weeks, two or three. We're buying them. We, we bought, bought one. two. Well, we did, but we're buying them, right? We bought two. But um, just a couple. Just why? Well, because we have to. It's oh, it's our okay. policy to review every to review every Mac, every stock configuration of every Mac. That's our policy, and Apple doesn't always see fit to to loan us them. So uh, we go out and we buy them. But just like, but just a couple. A couple of weeks ago, we uh, the IT department here at MacWorld is asking if uh, we had an extra Mac Pro around because they didn't feel like buying one before any announcements that might have been mm-hmm. made. Uh, they did buy one, and I bet they're not kicking themselves for buying one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I look forward to a new Mac Pro because I've been I've been waiting a really long time for something new in that line, and, and I'll be interested to see what they come up with. So you can read Roman's review of the Retina Display MacBook and Jim's lab tests 
of all of Apple's latest laptops on Macworld.com. Uh, I also want to mention we also have reviews of the regular MacBook Pro and the MacBook Air uh, coming up soon on our site. And we have some build-to-order models of all the laptops being tested now, and the Mac Pros are yes. speeding through our tests as we speak. I can hardly wait. Thanks very much. Thanks. And that wraps up this edition of the Macro Podcast. I'd like to thank Roman Loyola, Jim Galbraith, and of course you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 415-967-3622. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, macOS, iOS, and technology news, views, and information at macworld.com. Thanks very much for listening. See you around.